0: Welcome to Kavanaugh Church. Will you stand up with us and let's sing?
1: Amen. Hey, good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Good. Good. Y'all can be seated just for about 20 seconds. Man, I'm so glad to have you all here today. It's so good that you came back to Kavanaugh Church. I I love this place. I really do. Um, This morning in my devotions, I I read in Psalm 42 and 43, and and part of that that scripture says this, Send out your light and your truth, and let them lead me to your place, the holy hill. And there I'm going to go to the altar of God, and I'm going to worship Him in ecstatic joy. I'm going to worship him with a liar, and I'm going to praise his name. And what I love about that scripture is, is I can apply it to my life. I'm so pumped for God's word and his truth and what it means for my life, and I'm glad that his guiding life leads me to this place here at Kavanaugh Church. Aren't you? Amen. But when I get here, I just don't want to sit there and be passive, I want to be active. I want to be worshiping him. I want to come to this altar of praise and give him all my focus, all my attention, and, and everything that I've got, and I want to worship him. And, I, and, and I'm just so glad that we have this place as Cavalm Church where we can do just that as a church family. So amen, amen. So right now I'm going to invite you back to stand because that 20 seconds is over, and I'm just going to ask for that to happen right now, that his spirit moves amongst us as his people, and that our focus and our direction is all on him this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and again, I'm so thankful for this people. I'm so thankful for this place. I'm so thankful that the opportunity that we have right now in this very moment to be able to celebrate the life that we have in you, God. We know you're not done with us, though. We know that you have so much more for us in life. And to be able to gather around your word and to experience the richness of that and the riches that we can get from that, God, is, is, is amazing. And so I'm just asking right now that as your word is preached and as our, as our worship team continues to, to lead us in worship, God, that we are completely open to you. That all distractions are put off to the side. all all the stuff that are going on, whether good or bad, just off to the side that we can focus on you, we can worship and praise you, God, and we can grow more and deeper in your word. I love you so much and I love this people. Continue to reign in this place today. In your name. Amen. Let's keep worshiping.
0: this morning we feel your presence Lord I pray that we would stand here humbly before you and that you would empty us Lord so that when your word is read and that your message is preached that we would be filled of nothing but you and that we would just flow over to the next person and the next person and the next person. And, Lord, when we leave here, we would be filled with you. Lord, we love you, and we lift you up today because you are you, and there is no God but you. There is none other but you. We give you all the praise because there is none worthy more than you. I'm so thankful that you want a relationship with me. One who fails you daily, but you love me anyway. I'm so thankful for that. And Lord, if there's one here today that does not have that personal relationship with you, they would not leave before finding you as their Savior. Lord, forgive us where we fail you. We lay it all before you today.
2: people said amen. amen praise the lord thank you praise team give them a big hand they they really do work hard to lead us in worship and i'm so thankful and proud of them thank you for being here those uh, in person give yourself a hand for being here that's great and while you're clapping let those people online know that we are thankful that they're watching as well good deal good 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 deal got a question for you have you ever led anybody to the lord have you, have you ever witnessed to somebody? And, and if you have witnessed to somebody, what, what, what did you say to them? Is, is there a plan that you follow? And talking to people about about the Lord. D.L. Moody was preaching, great preacher from years ago. And in his sermon, he talked about uh, sharing Jesus with others. And he said, I have a plan of how I do that. And so he laid out his plan of how he would witness to someone. And what he would say to them and the questions he would ask. And after he was finished, a young man came up to him and said, Dr. Moody, I I appreciate the fact that you lead people to the Lord and you got a plan. But I don't like your plan. And and a little amazed at that, uh, D.L. came back and said, well, what's your plan? To which the young man said, well, I really don't have a plan. And D.L. Moody said, I like my plan better. (laughs) So whatever plan you have of presenting the gospel, whether it's a good one or a bad one, keep doing it. People need to hear the good news of the gospel. I, I read about a guy just the other day who has, I think, a, a pretty good plan. He, he asked people two questions. For a person he's never met before, the first question he asks them is, what is it you do for a living? I mean, what do you do for a living? And, and of course, they respond by their career choice, what they do. I'm a doctor. I'm I'm a lawyer. I'm a a math high school teacher. I'm, I'm a nurse. I'm a truck driver. Whatever it is, that's what they say because that's what they do. Question, what do you do for a living? It's pretty easy for you to answer. The second question is not so easy. He follows that up by asking them, well, what are you living for? He says there's always a long pause after that question because they don't know how to answer that. But you know what? It's a good one because just as we all do something, we all have something that we're living for as well. Whether we can identify or articulate it, there is something that you are passionate about. So I'm going to begin this morning by asking you, what are you living for? What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that helps you get up every day and motivates you to go out and take on the world? What are you living for? You know what? Some people live for money. Some people live for fame. Some people live for approval. The question is, what are you living for? Uh, To help us answer that question, I want to take a journey to Matthew chapter 16. At this point in Jesus's ministry, the people are really divided on how they feel about Jesus. There is a large group of a people, a people who approve him and are following him. They, they think he's a, he's a great teacher. They think that, man, he can walk on water. <laughs> he could walk on water, right? So a lot of people like Jesus at this point in his ministry, but there was a growing opposition to Jesus as well. In fact... Chapter 16 begins by saying the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those were religious people who hated Jesus. And they were constantly trying to trip him up or trick him so that they could end up putting him to death. Knowing all of this and knowing that it would end in his own death, Jesus brings together his disciples at Caesarea Philippi. And in this quiet place, he he tries to draw out from them a deeper commitment than they had given before. And and it is here that Jesus asked that very famous question, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, who do people say that I, the son of man, am? So he's asking his disciples, I mean, you're out in the street, you're, you're with people all the time. Who is it that people say that I, the Son of Man, am? Really, I think what he's asking them is, Who do you think I am? And then just three verses later, Peter gives that great confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that was a great confession. And In fact, Jesus applauded Peter and said, Well done, Peter. And on that confession, I'm going to build my church on that rock, that Petros, I'm going to build the church, and and then it went south for Peter right after that, but that's really not what my sermon's about. What my sermon is about is the conversation that continued after that great confession. For Jesus is seeking more than just a confession with our mouth. Now, I know confessions are important. In fact, for you to be saved, you've got to confess Jesus is Lord of your life, right? I mean, here at Cavanaugh, we say, in order to be saved, it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. You are. B, believe Jesus is the only one who can save you. He is. And C, confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. But a lot of people think that, you know what, that's the end result of that. I just I confess, Jesus, you are the, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. I confess Jesus is the Lord of my mind, and that's it. But Jesus wants more than just the confession. Jesus wants the commitment that goes along with the confession. And, and so that's what he talks about in these next few verses. And in fact, we're coming to it right now. He says, now that you know who I am, are you willing to follow me? In verse 24, he puts it like this. And can I just stop right here and say, if, if you came to church today for a feel-good sermon, you ain't getting it, all right? This is not one of those, you know, warmy, fuzzy, feel-good, you know, God loves you, you love everybody. God does love you, and you are to love everybody. It's not what this sermon's about today. This is a tough sermon, okay? So those of you sitting in here, don't get up and leave, and those watching online, don't turn me off. But this is a hard saying. In fact, I've got a book, The Hard Sayings of Jesus, this is one of the hardest sayings Jesus ever gave in Scripture. Here it is, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple, do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Amen. If this is what it takes, three things. You must deny yourself, you must take up your cross, and you must follow me. Confessions are great, but to really be a disciple of Jesus, it's going to take a commitment. Commitment. And that commitment is tough. It means that you deny yourself. That means that it's no longer your agenda that you're living for. You put your agenda, your desires, your goals on the back burner. And you put Jesus number one in your life. It means that you take your hands off of the steering wheel of your life and you let Jesus drive your life, Jesus drive your vehicle, and you get in the back seat. It means saying no to self and yes to Jesus. And if you think that's tough, look at the next thing you got to do. You got to take up your cross. Take up your burden. Take up the thing that's hard for you that God wants you to do that you can't do on your own. That means saying to the Lord, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Taking up your cross and what? Following him wherever he leads and whatever he says to do. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? We were talking this morning about getting old. Getting old is not for sissies. Let me tell you, following Jesus isn't for sissies either. It's tough stuff. What does it take to be a disciple of Jesus? You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And church, if you think that saying is hard, listen to the next verse. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever whoever loses their what? Life, for me, will find it. Two times that word life is used there. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What's he talking about that? Well, that's the way the people of the world live. They're living for themselves. They're living for the gusto they can get out of life. I've got this great career and I'm making all this money and all this stuff is mine. And you know what? I'm going to hang on to this tightly because this stuff is who I am it's what I'm living for and if you live your life that way hanging on to your stuff you're going to be gravely disappointed when you come to the end because you know what sooner or later that grip is going to have to release those things because you can't take those things into eternity with you so whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake, when you become my disciple and say, yes, Lord, I will deny myself. I'll take up my cross. I'll follow you. Your will is more important than my will. Whoever loses their life for me, guess what you're going to do? You're going to find it. You're going to find life. You're going to inherit eternal life. And then the final verse, 26, he says, what good Will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their own what? Soul. Or what can give you, anyone give in exchange for their soul? soul? So you've gained the whole world. You've, you've climbed to the top of the corporate ladder. You've got it all. What good is all that stuff going to do you? It can't save your soul. So Jesus uses four words, the word life two times, the word soul two times. If you want to save your life, then you're going to lose it. If you lose your life, you'll save your life. What, what, what is your soul worth? Are you willing to forfeit your soul? We use the word life and soul in our translation, but in the Greek, it's the same word. All, all four of these words, is the same Greek word. It is the Greek word psyche from which we get our English word psychology. And, and it's talking about all there is of you. It's talking about the real you. Jason, it, it's more than just your physical body, your, your muscles, your bones, your blood vessels. It, it's more than just your mind. It's your emotions. It's, it's that spiritual side of you. It is everything that makes Jason Armstrong Jason Armstrong. That's the word that he's using there. That's what your life is worth. That's what your soul is. It's all of you. Are you with me? I told the first service, this this sermon doesn't have any points to it. So it's one of those pointless sermons. (laughs) Really, the whole sermon is a point. So you're going to have to stick with me. Here's what Jesus is saying. Now that you know who I am, and you just confessed that, you said, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now that you know who I am, are you ready to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me? Now, before you answer that, let me just warn you that following me is going to seem in the eyes of the world as if you're wasting your life. The rest of the world is going to look at you if you say you're my disciple, and they're going to say, what a dummy. Why is that person wasting their life? The people of the world will never understand what you're doing, and it will seem to them that by following me, you're just throwing your life away. Jesus says, but you've got another option, okay? Okay. If that's too high of a price for you to pay, you've got another option. And I love this because you know what? God didn't make us robots. God gave every one of us a free will. Have you ever wondered why out on the sign it says Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church? It's because we believe in the free will of man. You have the ability to choose what you're going to do with God. God didn't make robots. He made human beings. It's your choice. And so he's saying in these verses, you've always got another option. You can try to save your own life by following your own desires and your own career plan. A lot of people do that. They live as if their career was all that mattered. But the people who live only for this life in the end will find out that they've wasted their life on things that don't really matter. They try to save their life by living for themselves. But in the end, they lose their life. They've wasted their life on trivial pursuits. But, he said, if you follow me, and let me tell you, it ain't going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. You're going to be misunderstood. But if you follow me, in the end, you're going to save your life. And the people who laugh at you right now, they're not going to be laughing at you then. They will see that you were right and they were wrong. After all, what good will it do you if you become the richest person On the planet of earth or climb to the top of your corporate ladder and rise to the highest salary of everyone in your business with the applause of the world what good is all of that going to do you in the end when you find out it's all been wasted what good is that brand new bass boat (laughs) or that shiny new BMW are all that money in the bank going to do you then? Will you be able to trade any of that stuff for one more minute of life? Everybody say no, because that's the answer. You can't. But if you want to live that way, Jesus says, go ahead. Millions of people are choosing that every single day. But in the end, they're going to be sorry. But by then, it's going to be too late to do anything about it. So, What's it going to be? And and, and you're thinking, oh, I don't have to make a decision right now. You're wrong. you got to. You're in this place. you got to decide. I mean, you're going to have to decide right now. What's it going to be? Is it going to be the way of the cross or is it going to be the way of the world for you? Because those are the only two options, the way of the cross or the way of the world. You've got to invest your life somewhere. What is the best deal you can make? Do, do y'all remember past sermons? Did anybody remember last week? Well, that sermon last week. I quoted some great preachers last week. I quoted Chuck Swindoll, uh, James Dobson, Matthew Henry. Remember that? Quoted those three guys. Also quoted a songwriter, singer-songwriter. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. <laughs> I got to quote Bob Dylan again. I can't, I can't get Bob Dylan. You know, I, I told First Service, and I probably shouldn't tell you, how did, how did he make it? I mean, really, I mean, Bob Dylan can't, he, he, you know, kind of had a, Gary had a weird voice, I mean, I can't even even mimic it, it's so weird, but he wrote this great song, it's a long song, I don't know, it has 27 verses to it, but the chorus is the same, and he repeats it over and over, you're going to have to serve somebody, and then that next line is it. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord. That's my best Bob Dylan right there. But that's the line. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, this may have been the only time that Bob Dylan ever agreed with Jesus about anything. But you know what? The two of them agree. You're going to have to serve somebody. So who will you serve? What is the best deal you can make? You see, you can't save your own life. But you can lose it. It's simple really. If if you try to save your life, in the end, you're gonna lose it. But if you dare to lose your life for the sake of Christ, in the end, you're gonna save your life. Now I can tell that we're a little confused because this is hard stuff, isn't it? Would you agree with me? It's hard stuff. It's it is a paradox. Yeah, there's another way though of, of looking at this whole question about losing and saving. That is to ask the question, is your life, and I'm talking about anybody else talking about you, is your life a career or is your life a mission? There is a vast difference between those two concepts, and a quick look at a dictionary kind of helps us with this. A career, and I'm going to throw this up there, a career is something you choose for yourself, Brother Nathan, I don't know where Nathan is in here, but Brother Nathan, there you are. I like talking to junior high and high school kids and ask them, so what are you going to do with your life? What, what career are you going to choose? It, it's fun, it's, here's what's fun is to listen to what they say and then 10 years later look at them and see what they're really doing. <laughs> yeah. Because a, a lot of times we think we're going to do one thing and then when it comes down to it, you know, we realize that's really not for me and we choose something different. And some of you have chosen whatever career that you're in. Maybe maybe you chose it because that's the only job you could find. I don't know. But it's your career. But you know what? You chose it. That's what you're doing with your life, right? Every day you're getting up, pursuing your career. A mission, however, is different. Look at this. A mission is something chosen for you by somebody else your mission, Jim, if you choose to accept it. Yeah, mission impossible. Somebody chooses the mission for you and then sends you out. And there is a huge difference between living for your career and being sent on a mission from God. Now, it's not that believers don't have careers. We do. How, how many of you are unashamed to say that I am a believer? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. You, you got a job, right? Maybe, maybe your career is being an electrician or a, a, a painter or a doctor or a computer scientist or a banker or a nurse or a teacher or a writer. It, whatever it is, that's what you've chosen. That's your career. But, but the difference is this. The people of this world, people without faith, people who are lost, live for their careers. Yes, right. That's all they got. People of God don't live for their career. When your career is central in your life, then you're career-driven. You've heard that phrase. You're career-minded. You're climbing to the top of your career. You take a job and leave it two years later because it's a good career move. You break all the significant relationships in one place and move halfway across the country because your career demands it. Everything is calculated to get you someday to that elusive place called the top of your career. But if you do get there, your career is complete and the world is going to step back and applaud you. Right? Not quite, but isn't that the way the world thinks? Come on, be with me, that's the way the world thinks. I am suggesting that that being career-minded in this sense is precisely what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 16 verse 25 when he says, no one can save their life and if you try to save your life, you're going to lose your life. If you try to hang on to all the stuff you have and your career is all that you have, guess what? In the end, you're going to lose it all. You're not going to have anything. Your career may well keep you from fulfilling your mission in life. And sometimes your mission may not make any sense if all you see is your career. Your career is the answer to the question, what do you do for a living? But your mission is the answer to the question, what are you living for? And and just the perspective of those two things makes all the difference in the world. Let, Let me put it on the screen like this Your career is a ladder to climb, but your mission is a journey that you're on. Somebody say, Ooh, that's deep. Number two, your career makes you a professional but your mission makes you a disciple. Number three, your career takes you to the top. Your mission leads you to the cross. Your career is about the here and now, but your mission is about eternity. Now, if you're just here, for the basic stuff, like if you're, if you're just here to be born, to eat, to sleep, to go to college, get a degree, get married, get a job, have some kids, climb the ladder, make some money, buy a summer home, retire gracefully, grow old and die, then what's the big deal? All of that is okay, but if that's all there is to your life, then you're really no different than unsaved people who don't have a relationship with God and don't have any faith. Right? It's nice to have a career. It's better to have a mission. Let me put it this way. Jesus calls his followers to be totally sold out for his kingdom. What did Jesus say it takes to be my disciple? You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And you know what? That applies to all Christians, not just full-time Christian ministers or missionaries. Jesus makes this demand on all of us. If you want to be my disciple, here's what it's going to cost you, everything. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Suppose you're here today and you're you're an engineer or you're a teacher doesn't matter what it is you've got a career you're doing something Here's God's do- job description for you You're a missionary cleverly disguised as an engineer You're a missionary cleverly disguised as a school teacher Do you see the difference there? It's nice to have a career, but it's better to be on mission with God. It's not wrong to have a career and to do well by the world's standards. Nor is it sinful to move across the country when your job demands it. But here's the deal. Motivation is everything. You've got two people, and, and they are following the same career path. And both end up at the top. Yet one may be living solely for their career while the other person sees their career as divinely ordained by God. They are on mission with God. Yes, they're an engineer. Or yes, they're a computer scientist. Or yes, they're a nurse. Or yes, they're a teacher. But really what they are is a missionary for God. Doing whatever it is they do. my parents both were raised in Midland, Texas. Their families were in Midland. My sister and I were born in Midland. Midland was our home. We had deep roots in Midland, Texas. All my aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, everybody everybody lived in Midland. My dad got a job at Southwestern Bell Telephone Company, and he was kind of moving up the ladder, and I don't know. Was it? I don't know if it was a Sunday night, Wednesday night. This guy came to our church. We went to the Westside Free Old Baptist Church. Our, our life was about our church as well. And, and this preacher came and said, "I'm I'm going to Abilene, Texas, and starting a church. And some of you people need to pray about moving to Abilene and helping me start this church." And I can remember on the way home. We lived six miles from the church out in the out in the country. And my dad just kind of he did. His Will Harmon laughed. <laughs> you know he does kids. That preacher thinks I'm going to move to Abilene, Texas to help him build a church. He's crazy. It may not have been exactly that you said, but it was something close to it. You know what? It was just a few weeks later at Southwestern Bell. They asked my dad if he would consider taking a job promotion moving to Abilene, Texas. <laughs> and if, I, I may have got this story all wrong, but this is the way I remember it, and it's the way I'm telling it, so it's my story, all right? You can correct me later or not. But I think my dad told them no. Because Midland was our home. We didn't want to leave Midland. But after praying it, my dad figured out, you know what? This this might just be God's will for my family. And my life is not just about working at Southwestern Bell Telephone. My life is about kingdom stuff. And I want to be on mission with God. So guess what? We moved to Abilene, Texas. And the same thing happened a couple of years later when we moved to to Lubbock, Texas. When you lose your life, my friend, you're going to save your life. Ask yourself, did Jesus have a career? The answer to that is no. He had a mission from God to be the Savior of the world. And nothing he did made sense from a career point of view. Being crucified is not a good career move. Yet by his death, he reconciled the world to God. Was he a success or a failure? I'll let you answer that. I, I remember the story of Robert Jaffrey. He, he came from a uh, wealthy family in, in Toronto, Canada. His family was in the newspaper business. In fact, they owned the largest newspaper in Toronto. So he, he, he was an heir to a fortune, but he was a smart young man, and he had an interest in the Chinese language and China culture. And so he learned Chinese at a very young age, and later on felt like God was calling him to China to be a Christian missionary. About the same time that he moved to China, Standard Oil in New York found out that he was going there, and, and somebody in the corporation knew his family, they knew him. They knew he was fluent in Chinese, and so they offered him this great job and said, instead of being a missionary in China, work for the Standard Oil Company, and we'll pay you a lot of money. He said no. They doubled their offer. He said no. And they cabled him. Here's what the cable said. Robert Jaffrey, at any cost, which meant you name your own salary, Whatever you want, we're going to pay it. He cabled back. Your salary is big. Your job is too small. And for 35 years, he was a missionary to China. He helped translate the Bible into Cantonese. When World War II started, he was captured, thrown into a prison camp, and two weeks before the end of the war, he died. Did he waste his life? I'll let you decide that. I I like the way C.T. Studd put it. C.T. Studd was a great cricketeer player, kind of like baseball, super athlete, got saved, started preaching. I love this quote, you know it. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This, This life is like that, man. I mean, it's you're here, you live, you're gone. Only one life, you only got a short amount of time. You better be doing everything you can do for Jesus right now because you're not guaranteed anything else. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. Y'all know the name David Cassidy? Yeah, yeah, he's on the sitcom 1970s, Partridge Family. (laughs) Okay? A couple years ago he died. He was 67 years old, and his daughter Katie was at his bedside She said, these were his last words. So much wasted time. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. One day, all of this is going to pass from this life into the presence of God. What will we say on that day? And more importantly, what is the Lord going to say to us on that day? The martyred missionary Jim Elliott put it this way, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it in the end. If you lose your life for Jesus' sake in the end, you're going to save your life. If you live your life for your career... What difference is all of that going to make 10 seconds after you die? But if you spend your life in the service of the kingdom of God and on mission with God, the road is going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But 10,000 years from now, you won't regret that decision because your life is going to be saved. This life is not a dress rehearsal we only got one chance man you got one shot and that shot is right now what are you going to do with your life sooner sooner than you think your moment in the sun is going to be over so how you live in your life do you have a career that you're living for or are you on mission with god i'm going to end the same way that we started with these two questions because they're so good what do you do for a living Whatever it is. Well, I'm retired. Well, you know what? You're doing more now than you did then. That's for sure. But the most important question is this. What are you living for? What are you living for? And are you doing it with passion? Make your life count, man. Whatever you're doing, make, make it count. Give it to God. Yes, there has to be that confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There must be that confession that Jesus is my Lord. You must be saved. That confession is part of it. But guys, the confession is only the beginning. What needs to follow that confession is for you to get up from where you're sitting and come down to this altar and lay your life before God Almighty and say, Lord, I'm giving you everything and holding nothing back for myself. It's all yours, Lord. I will deny myself. I will take up that cross, and I will follow you. So, Lord, whatever you want from me, wherever you ask me to go, whatever you ask me to do, whatever you ask me to say to someone, I'll say it, Lord, and I'll do it because I'm your disciple. You want to know what Jesus is after? That. Are you willing to give it to him? Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be willing to say yes to you today. Lord, someone needs to come and and be saved. They need to confess that Jesus is Lord of their life. They need to have their sins forgiven and their life changed. The rest of us in this room need to ask ourselves the question, what are we living for? And if it is anything other than being on mission with you, Lord, help us to come down here and do something about it today. Help us to say yes to true discipleship. Help us to lay our all on the altar and hold nothing back. Lord, help us to deny self, take up our cross, and follow you. May this be a place of commitment today, Lord. For we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's going to sing. Holy Spirit is speaking. Spirit come, come on right now. Give, give it all to Jesus. Make your commitment. God. We all This issue of discipleship before we go to bed tonight. And Lord, whatever it is you're asking us to do, I pray that we would answer affirmatively and say, Lord, I'm yours. Take me and use me. Lord, bless our church. Help us to be a light in this darkened world. I pray that you'd help us to reach people for Jesus. For it's in His name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Be seated just for a moment, would you? Thanks for being here today, and those of you watching online, thanks for uh, watching online. We're, we're going to be in our new building soon. I, I don't know exactly when that's going to be, but we're praying every day at noon that that building would be finished, funded, and filled with people, all right? So will you pray with me at noon every day? Our big thing right now is getting the water turned on. We can't do anything until water is turned on, and, and uh, we're praying that that's done by Tuesday. So will you all pray with me? We get water on by Tuesday. And then everything else finished. If if it if it falls into place now, maybe our big dedication day is going to be November twenty first. Don't know that for sure, but and I hate to even keep saying dates, but pray with me. Pray with me that that it, you know what we're going to get in there when God wants us in there, and it's going to be awesome. Just pray that it happens soon. I sure do want to preach in there before I die. <laughs> so when you get up and leave, make sure you. Drop your offering in one of those black boxes. Thank you again for giving, or you can give online. Tonight at 6.30, Facebook Live, Brother Ray Copeland's going to be teaching our Bible study lesson, so tune in. Come back Wednesday night and, uh, and be a part of all the things that we've got going on here at Cavanaugh Church. Okay, adopt a family. It's changed a little bit. Yeah. We, no, This year we're not calling it adopt a family, A-A-F. What we're calling it is A A M and it stands for Adopt a Missionary because we're changing things up. Flexibility is good, right? We, we want to keep things fresh and alive, and so God has placed on our heart to help the kids of our Free Will Baptist missionaries serving globally all over the world. We have right now 65 kids whose parents are missionaries, 65 kids living as far away as, as Japan and France and Spain and Uruguay all over the world and we're going to adopt those 65 kids this year and provide Christmas for them and it it really is going to be a phenomenal thing a lot of them are in their country during Christmas so we'll just send their gifts to them but for those families of missionaries who are stateside on furlough we're trying to work where they can be here in December and we just wrap our arms around these kids and love on them and and do something special for them All right. so 65 missionary kids plus our 20 kids from Puerto Rico that we helped last year we're going to help again total of 85 kids that we're going to help this year at Christmas time we're asking that that you raise $30,000 to do this that's our goal Uh, and you say well you've been asking us for 50,000. Well, we're we're not helping as many kids, so we're keeping that in mind and you're also paying for a building over here. We're keeping that in mind. Our goal is 30,000, but you've already given 10. And we're just now starting to raise money, so that's great. That's fantastic. So continue to give during the month of November. If you're writing a check, put AAM on it, adopt a missionary, and we still need volunteers because we're going to be doing a lot of things, so sign up in the Welcome Center to be a part of this year's AAM. I need more than that. Come on. And that is pathetic, so let's try one more time with enthusiasm and vigor. Woo! Yeah! We're going to make it a great Christmas for our missionary kids. And let me tell you, it will mean the world to them. So be praying for our missionaries. God bless you. I hope you have a great day. Uh, Stay out of trouble. Get out of here.